0: Across our modern culture an insatiable interest has been growing in spirituality transcendental meditation eastern centering this rise in do-it-yourself spirituality and the crystal craze is part of a larger barometer of a culture in search of a deeper connection substitutes for prayer create an even worse problem sometimes the biggest steps are often the smallest steps many are taught on the come up in their churches that prayer is the most powerful way to experience God but few receive instructions or guidance in how to make prayer genuinely meaningful meanwhile E.M. Bounds says prayers outlive the lives of those who utter them outlive a generation outlive an age outlive a world. On this episode of Keep It 100, we're continuing the life-changing conversation of connecting with God and unleashing your devotional life, and we get to hear from a modern intercessor, revivalist, Corey Russell. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real
1: issues with real insight, your real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives.
2: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Keep It 100 podcast. This is Krista. Hey,
0: I'm Sean. What's up everybody?
2: Hey, we're so excited to be with you and I'm really excited about this week's podcast because it is power packed.
0: Yes, it is going to be great. We've got a great friend that we know you're going to be blessed by, but we have some ministry updates we want to share with you. Since our last time we were in Florida, specifically Daytona Beach at Calvary Church there, we did this young adults meeting, you guys. Oh my God, it blew up.
2: It was really incredible. We saw so many kids and wasn't it like a four four hour meeting?
0: Four hour meeting. Kids were on the ground. Kids were getting delivered. Kids were getting saved. Kids were getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. Kids were getting healed, prophesied over, entire road. Moves, in particular of young gals, all went out in the power at the same time. It's so awesome. The kids even left drug paraphernalia, and particularly crystals were left at the altar. Then we stayed over on Sunday, had a powerful time there. Pastor Jim and Don Rayleigh are amazing. And it was a that was a three-hour service on a Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. When your Sunday morning service is going three hours and exceeding the length of a Marvel movie. You know you're doing something.
2: (laughs) And what we're just seeing, what Sean even referenced with the young adults and the youth service is a fresh hunger. A hunger we have not seen prior to COVID. Coming out of COVID, now finding what we're calling a new era. I'm not even going to say like a new normal. It's more than a new normal. We're in a new era and what God is doing in this time. And it is a insatiable hunger for the things of God. And it's exciting.
0: So true. And then why don't you tell them about our GGG tent meeting. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So we went to uh, outside Chicago. We have some dear friends that have a ministry called GGG and it's all about uh, continuing for revival in the region. And so about 600 plus people came out and it was just incredible. Revivalists gathered and even revivalists that weren't speaking, but felt led to be there. So it was like a gathering of the burning ones is kind of what I called it. Ones that are burning for a move of God just gathered and the power of God here we are in just grass humidity. I mean, I sweated literally through my clothes because the humidity is real. And this California girl did not dress appropriately at all. I was like, I needed to have like t-shirts and shorts on and I was like in long pants and sweaters. But the point is, I just saw God move so incredibly. The presence of God was amazing. Wouldn't you say that?
0: Oh, it was awesome. That many people underneath a tent meeting. And I just want to say, I believe tent meetings are coming back. Come on. And man, I tell you what, I didn't appreciate the mosquitoes, <laughs> but I did appreciate the love, right? the sense of family, that old man, just revivalistic sense. And then I flew from there to uh, Orlando. I was doing a conference down there for the International Ministries and Network Churches Conference. They have an annual conference. There were several hundred people there from literally all over America, Power of God showed up, got a chance to minister with one of my longtime heroes, Dr. Zane Anderson, his precious wife Jan. It was amazing. Just had a great time. All these ministers, you something about when you minister to leaders, you know, the leaders are gonna minister to others. You just feel like, man, we touch more than we're in the room. And there there were so many prophetic words given over people. There was a situation where the Lord gave me the date of a, a couple that on that date they adopted their two twins. Uh, uh, they had t- uh, two boys that they adopted, and God gave me the date, and wow. it was just so amazing to them receive encouragement. God encouraged them over the destiny of their sons and Come they were going to step into the more. So it was just so powerful, made some great connections. But man, I'm telling you what, I am excited about this episode.
2: I tell you what, I am too, because I feel like we're really hitting a topic that is so important for today. You know, we're talking about connecting with God, part two. And really what we're seeing in today's current society is a new interest in the power of crystals. We're seeing people really want to connect with a higher being, a higher power, which you you and I know there's only one higher power his name is Jesus but yep. we're seeing this new interest arise in the power of crystals you know, really, we've seen it come through history. We saw it in the Victorian era, which gave us the image of the woman with the headscarf and the crystal ball, we all know that image. And then through the seance craze of the 1920s to the age of Aquarius in the 70s, and then the New Age movement that arose to carry the torch of the 60s counterculture and rebellion, really morphing from a culture curiosity. Now today, we're seeing again, the rise of people into crystals. And actually, the hottest crystal at the moment is called the carnelian stone. Am I saying that Correctly, I think that's right. So, this stone actually focuses on optimism and energy. It, you know, they believe it holds the promise that with its help, you know, you can make yourself better known. People believe the carnelian gives you the power to still your anger and your jealousy, to dispel apathy, em- envy, and resentment, and to overcome negative feelings and thoughts so your better feelings can shine and so you can live a more pr- positive life. Okay, Isn't
0: that crazy where everybody wants scientific facts, right? On the power of prayer and the reality of Jesus. And you got people going around grabbing stones and believe that the stones have the power. I ain't talking about no carnelian stone. I'm talking about the chief cornerstone, somebody. Come
2: on. What's really crazy and people don't understand, Sean actually found this and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so profound. You know, the carnelian stone, the most popular stone at present moment in our society is actually the first gemstone that's listed in the Bible that God used to beautify Lucifer. We actually find this in Ezekiel 28, 13. You heard me right. That God actually use the car- carnelian stone to beautify Satan. It's also referred to as Odom Four of our biblical versions call this stone the ruby. Four of it label the sardius and two of it call it the carnelian, which is found in the New Living Translation. And I believe the other translation was the Good News Translation. All this to say, they believe these stones of communication promote eloquence and clarity and help timid speakers become bold. There's also a stone gaining popularity called the Singer Stones, a tool to make one's voice more precise and beautiful. I just want to put all that on the table. And I want to say, if you're having a stone in your house that was used to beautify lucifer uh, you need to know the source in which it's coming from if this is the thing that actually added to the actual enemy of our day the spirit of this age you don't want to have anything to do with it so just look at who it was connected to in the word of god and you're going to find your modern day source one article i read likened this phenomenon of crystals to to displace the serenity prayer, which is crazy. They're replacing prayer with a belief in a crystal. You know, you know, the serenity prayer, for those that don't know, it's the, you know, that classic prayer of God, grant me the serenity to, to accept things I cannot change, courage to change things I can. So that's a real prayer that's powerful, it's changes life, you know? And here's these crystals that are replacing prayer. Nothing could be more opposite and counterfeit to what God is really giving us in this time.
0: You know, I've always loved in the Bible this group that we was actually a tribe that helped David, that they were the sons of Issachar. It says that they discerned the times, knew what Israel ought to do. They were were prophets and they understood sociological trends and everything. And I think part of what we're bringing to you in this segment is kind of a heart to understand in the same way that's biblical that the sons of Issachar did. Because it's interesting, Acts 16, verse 16, it says, Now it happened, and it's speaking of Paul and Silas, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her master as much profit by fortune-telling, and the place that we're at was Philippi. It's interesting to note that the town was going to a girl possessed with the spirit of divination. In other words, they were going to their version of a crystal. Actually, it was embodied in this girl that was demonized by the spirit of Delphi, which they believe was an oracle that would talk to them. So all the town, the people that were essentially pimping this girl, they were making money because everyone was going towards this divination craze. But it says that Paul and Silas were going to prayer. Now, notice the contrast. Paul and Silas are going to prayer while the people of Philippi at this time are going to New Age or Mm. grow with a spirit of divination. And what it is, is that people are being pressed to the extremes of now going to sources in which they could plug in to get revelation, to get connection, to get empowerment, And it's a picture again of what's going on now. I believe that the modern prayer movement is about to go to a whole nother level. I believe there's a whole nother generation is praying. There's never been as many 24-hour houses of prayer. There's never been as many devotional books and devotional journals and devotional little booklets or things that could subsidize and help you read through the Bible in a year. All of it, I believe, is rising up and we're seeing Acts 16, 16 all over again.
2: I tell you what, it is so true. You know, So many times people really just use prayer as a 911 one call when life gets hard. You know, we see this when an illness happens, when crisis takes place, and then all of a sudden they're running to God. But, you know, the truth is most people aren't really praying. And when they are, it's just when they're in need. So we prize our accomplishments and productivity over time in prayer. But many Christians experience this prayerlessness, a kind of practical unbelief that leaves us marked by fear, anxiety, joylessness, and spiritual lethargic.
0: That is such a great point. And you know, it also reminds me of this, is that really devotions are vital preparation for spiritual battle. It's just like you said, people use a 911. They use prayers as a 911 call emergency. And in a very similar way, here's Paul and Silas going to prayer. But I submit to you, if you read the rest of the passage, Paul and Silas set this girl free. They ministered deliverance. They didn't know that their day-to-day prayer habit was preparing them for spiritual battle. And the truth be told, Keeper 100 Tribes, a Christian life is a battle that should be fought not only reactively, but proactively. And that happens when you have a consistent devotional life. The battle is going to be brought to us. In this passage in Acts 16, the battle was brought to him. But we must put on the armor of God in prayer. We must know the word of God, which the Bible lets us know as our sword, before the times comes. Otherwise, we're going to give the devil a terrific advantage.
2: I tell you what, that was so well said. And with that being said, I'm really excited because we're about to jump into a powerful interview with Corey Russell. For those of you that don't know Corey Russell, he's an incredible author, has written multiple books on prayer and intercession. He was for many years on staff at IHOP, International House of Prayer in Kansas City, but he's actually now on staff at Upper Room in Dallas, Texas. So Keep It 100 Tribe, welcome Corey Russell.
0: Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe, I am so excited we've got a very special guest and friend, Corey Russell. Uh, this guy, I, I would say when I think of modern intercessors, and I remember reading a, a book on Reese Howells back in the day and. In- Uh, Coming up, I had been around so many women intercessors when I got saved, and thank God, women, you guys have held down the fort. You still hold down the fort. We honor you. But as a young guy, I really wanted to see that there were young guys that were going after God and seeking God in this area of intercession and and sowing uh, into this, and Corey is one of those guys. So we're super excited. Guys, I want you to welcome to the mic right now. Corey Russell. What's up, Corey? What's up,
1: Sean? What's up, man? I'm honored to be with you and been loving you from afar and just celebrating you and so love that we're together.
0: And we were just talking a little bit about you would come to our area Then the East Bay House of Prayer for a mutual friend of ours, Jim Stilwell. And it was just so awesome. And, man, I'd always hear the fruit. And then, you know, obviously your years, even cross-pollinate with Mike Bickle. And he would mention you and and another one of the guys. And he would say, they're my sons of thunder, you know, James and John. (laughs) Well, Corey, hey, man, we're on this subject of the secret place quiet time and just how significant and important. But hey, I'd just like to start a little bit with, hey man, how did you come to Christ? What What, what is your origin story to borrow from MCU Talk?
1: Yeah, man, it's a wild story. Uh, I'm going to try to condense it for time's sake, but um, grew up, I'm from Northwest Arkansas originally. And so from a little town in Northwest Arkansas, probably about 30 minutes south of Fayetteville and little town of 3000 and great family, great parents and, uh, you know, played every sport. You know, I had some ball in my hand from five to 18 and, uh, did it all. It was a good kid, but I didn't know Jesus. We go to church, but I never had any personal thing with him. I don't know how it happened, but this little eight year old white kid got into gangster rap music. Um, probably about eight years old. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was quite devastating to my perspective of life. And so kind of characterized high school, your normal jock in American high school. And once athletics was out of the equation, I was in an identity crisis. I, I didn't know who I was and I go off to college and I'm going to still make decent grades. And I'm going to fill that hole with, you know, partying a little harder. And, um, and, you know, it just really went out there. I find that my capacity is large, so we're not going to do anything at, at a two, you know, we're going to go all in. And so went all in and I came home from my first summer after college. And, uh, actually I went to UCA, uh, which is where, uh, Scotty Pippen, uh, the old basketball player went to uh, college at. So You all, Chicago Bulls fans. And so, yeah, so I came home for that summer and I got my first DWI. Couldn't afford to go back to college. So I had to go to a community college in the home area in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and end up hooking up with my good friend who had been homeschooled till ninth grade. And now we get an apartment together and now the, the, the partying goes to another level, you know, dangerous levels. And, but I had a praying mom, he had a praying mom, and they stormed the gates of heaven and hell. It went through about a four-month weird season where my friend stopped talking. He was just weird. And it culminated on February 1st, 97, which was my birthday. And I had drove down, drove up into his house to see him. And he comes running out the front door screaming at me, Corey, it's heaven or hell. It's heaven or hell. You have to make a decision. And he's running at me and screaming and I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? He's screaming. Well, I grab my friend. We leave. And it was known that his mom prayed him through a three-day deliverance. Wow. He, he had gone far from the Lord, and had got saved, and I got angry. I'd put up with a weirdo for 20 years, and you don't get saved at 20, Sean. It's just too <laughs> close, you know? <laughs> right. And so two weeks later, he shows up. I'm still in college somehow. And he takes me to lunch, and he shares with me that for those several months where things were weird, he was seeing in the spirit realm. He was seeing the angelic, the demonic. He was seeing in the spirit realm and it really freaked him out. And he says that the voice of the Lord broke in the middle of the party that we were at. And the Lord spoke that last night and said, Satan's raising up an army, but I'm raising up an army too. And I'm calling you out tonight. And I want you to go call your friends out. And so he's at lunch telling me, Corey, you need to give your life to Jesus. Heaven's real, hell's real, eternity's real. And uh, I was still really hard. I just got my second DWI and I was just really hard. And I just said, dude, just shut up, take me back to school. He drives back to the college. And right before I get out of the van, Holy Spirit filled the van. And uh, before I knew it, I'm shaking violently like I'm having a seizure. And I began to see a tug of war battle between light and darkness over my soul. And he pulled the back of the parking lot, starts praying, casting out things. And before I knew it, I'm choking. And I and I knew I had to get out the name Jesus. But all I could get out was, Jesus, Jesus, and And he's screaming, say it. And I said, I'm trying. And finally, I took a deep breath. And with all the power inside of me, I just screamed Jesus. And right when I screamed his name, the hole broke off my throat. And it was like God came and breathed into my mouth. And all I could say for the first five minutes is I've got air, I've got air, I've got air. And after about five minutes, I heard a voice as clear as day saying, get out of the van, get on the pavement and give me your life, your mind. And, um, I I jump out, it was February 18th, 1997, and I'm in a college parking lot, and I'm screaming, there's my sinner's prayer, Jesus Christ, I give you my life, I'm yours. And Sean, that day I passed from death to life, all the drugs, all the stuff, instantaneous deliverance, power of God hit my life. And I experienced a mighty baptism in the Holy Spirit and went home that afternoon and sat on my porch swing for two hours, undone by how blue the sky was how green the grass was. The birds. And within a month, I had a drug ring of friends that had encounters like that. And uh, I led my little brother to the Lord who went crazy in the high school. Over the next six months, I was in college. He was in high school. We saw half the high school come to Jesus. We what? saw a move of the Holy Spirit hit our small town. And we begin to move right into five meetings a week till three in the morning. My first six months, Were five meetings a week till three in the morning. It was an explosion of God in a small town in Northwest Arkansas. Oh my goodness, bro. And it was in that season that I connected the dots that what I was experiencing was the result of the faithful intercessors who sowed and tilled the ground. And I was reaping what they had labored in. And so that really made sense to me from the early days. And so I had this magnetic pull to these three older women. 250 year olds and 180 year old and these girls taught me how to pray Sean Whoa. they they taught me about early morning prayer and late night prayer and praying through and uh Pentecostal praying and uh and I just cut my I spent my first 2 years with these women and they taught me how to pray but the the main thing was this I wanted to be in the presence of God all the time. I wanted to be in the presence of God all the time. I just got my second DWI, so I'm like, God, I got a lot of time on my hands. I got to get rid of all these Tupac lyrics, and we got to (laughs) get we got to get Bible verses in here. (laughs) The presence of God. I just got so addicted to being close to Him and being with Him all the time. And that first year or two was just presence, glory, spirit of prayer, going deep in God, and and that's where I, I caught the vision for a life of prayer in my early days.
0: Wow. I mean, Corey, so profound. You know, as I'm hearing you, you know, just that verse that basically, uh, apart from me, you can do no good thing. You can't, apart from God, we can do nothing that's of lasting value. And so that connection that he's the vine, we're the branches, is connecting to God. Would you say for you that when you first began to pray with these ladies, uh, was prayer easy for you? Was it laborious? Was it kind of like you were just excited and you were thrusting yourself in and you were going to figure out how, how was that for you in your initial kind of on-ramp into intercession?
1: Yeah, I think he's, I think he has designed me. It For me, it was easy. I. It, I think he's just wired me up in that way and connecting with God was easy, but I would always go on Sunday mornings and I'd scream at everybody, tell them to come to the prayer meetings and nobody'd come. And it it is so frustrating. And I'd just do it harder the next Sunday and nobody ever came. And and the Lord really taught me. He he took me on a journey of prayer because my initial season was revival praying and seeing God pray in the midst of a move of God. And yeah, I was just given to it, but I found a season that, that he, because it was starting to crush me after a little while and that I so when I started to see the the level wane and the intensity of the move of God wane and I so wanted to see that recreated that the Lord really said Corey you're going to you're going to burn out he goes i want to teach you about the source of prayer and he began to take me from just seeing an outside explosion to giving me a vision of an inside explosion. And and it, it's a wild story because, you know, I'd start my early days with the Frank Bartleman's and the Daniel Nash's and the Send the glory and the fire. But then he took me to the mystics and he began to show me about the power of indwelling spirit and fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit and communing with the, the fire of God within. And, uh, And that really, I think, saved me as God was saying, as the Lord was leading me, that the source of revival and the source of sustainment in this thing is an interior fire that you've got to cultivate. And that kind of led me through my journey. But I would say that really saved me and uh, reframed the way that I was seeing revival. I love that. Like, I early on stumbled onto
0: the mystics as well, whether that was Phanelon, Madame Jean, Gayon. Yes. Uh, Brother Lawrence. Yeah. There are others. And you just realize, man, they tapped into something that's available, but it's it's missed. Yes. And Corey, you, you've spent, bro, hours upon hours on your face in prayer. What was even kind of your connection initially to the International House of Prayer out there with Mike Bickle? Because somehow, obviously, you got from Arkansas to Kansas
1: City. <laughs> well, surprisingly, it's only where I live is only four hours south of Kansas City. Oh, wow. So. You know, a family in my initial season of that move of God took me to some conferences up there. And so I really began to connect with Mike's message. It was in his transition where he was going to begin to start the house of prayer. And, but it, I went to a conference in May of 98 where he preached on Isaiah 40 and a John the Baptist generation. And he said, Who will go to the wilderness of prayer and fasting and unto being hidden in God? And that was my thing. God, I'm going to go to the wilderness. And I want something real. I don't want to dance around someone else's fire. God, I want to get so lost in the fire. And I want something real. This was the thing that came out of me. I don't want to be an echo. I want to be a voice. I don't want to be an echo. I want to be a voice. I want something so real. It's not about how loud I say it or how I say it, but that angels would move, demons would move, and the hearts of men and women would move. And that was what set me on the trajectory. My wife got marked out of Women in the Prophetic in 99, and it just became really clear that our prophetic storyline was heading to Kansas City. And so it was a vision to go get lost in the wilderness of prayer and fasting. I want to go eat the Bible and pray and fast and all that. And so that was the plan. I didn't know anything else. And so that's what got us up there. And the Lord just... Wrecked me in those first few years. I got a hold of prayers like John 17, and I touched the word of desire in John 17:24, where I never thought about God having that. There's there's something more powerful than my desire and my passion and my longing, but that there's been desire burning in the heart of God from before Genesis 1. And I put my pinky toe in that thing, and he he delivered me from just the discipline of prayer the duty of prayer and diligence in prayer. And you got to have all three of the dip those days, but the source is desire. And when you touch his desire, he goes, Father, I desire, John 17, 24, that they would be with me where I am and that they would behold my glory. And that verse laid hold of me, Sean, and it pretty much consumed the next two, three years of my life.
0: Man, Corey, Bro, you're dropping nuggets, my heart. I mean, I, I just feel like we could break out into prayer. I'm getting so hit and blasted. What are some things, core that you would say in terms of having a personal secret place? Why do you feel that that's so crucial?
1: Yeah, it's what you said at the beginning. It's out of John 15, because apart from him, we can do nothing. And But I, I think, I do, I love the Matthew 6, Jesus says, but you, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father in secret. I just want to say to everyone who, who's listening, it's, th- this is a phrase, the, the question the Lord asked me is, who do you think you're talking to? Who do you think you're talking to? And we are talking to the most beautiful, the most glorious, the most intoxicating, the most inebriating, the most beautiful person that has ever been. He has Genesis 1 on his resume. He, and Job 26 says, this is the mere edges of his ways, a whisper." that we haven't seen anything yet. He's absolutely stunning. And so I believe we call people to pray, pray, pray. But I'm here to say, do you know who he is? I mean, Do you know who you're talking to? Because when the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of him touches your heart and where God reveals God to the human spirit, you can't help but shut the door, shut the distractions, prioritize time. I mean, you know what that does with our wives. When the beauty of our wives touched us, Time out the door, investment out the door. That's it right. wasn't about having to do those things. It's about her and the power she has on us. Yes, and that's the way the human heart works. We run by vision and by the power of revelation. So I'd say to anybody that's listening, ask God, say, Father, reveal your son to me, and you're going to find that you're going to begin to shut the door and that you're going, because he says that, pray to your father in the secret place. There is the place that you've got to safeguard it, but I believe God wants to fascinate you and just wreck you with his beauty. And then I think prayer is what we do to build an offense around prioritizing and sustaining that place.
0: Corey, this is gold, the wealth of that. I can honestly say I've never heard it phrased like that. Like, first of all, know who you're talking to. Oh my God. Corey, what, what are you sharing, bros? Nuggets, <laughs> nuggets. Now, Take us through an effective quiet time. What are some of the ingredients that you would say are components of a successful connection with God in a secret place, Corey?
1: Absolutely. And, and I think the biggest thing is you do, you learn it in flight, you know? And I think the biggest thing is, this is what I want to say to you, is finding a time. Jesus says in Luke 11, when you pray. And so I think finding a time and finding a place that no amount of distraction or mistreatment or betrayal can talk you out of. The number one issue is finding a time and a place that you won't miss for anything in the world and building that into your schedule, building that into your life. Because I'm here to tell you, it's not going to happen on accident. The devil will let you do a lot of things. He'll let us he'll let us have big ministries. He'll let us do this. He'll let us that. If you want to put hell on notice, find a time and a place that nothing can get you out of, and you will shake the gates of hell. You will discover the beauty of God. You will discover who you are in God, and you will discover his will for your life in that place. And so that's the number one thing is the safeguarding around it. And once you get in there, I I found if I have an hour, you know, and you can scale this down based on what you have capacity for. The Lord is so kind. That's what I love about. He says, you go into your room and you shut the door and I'll be there. That room can be 15 minutes. That room can be 30 minutes. He will show up in the room you build. <laughs> He's so kind. And what he does is he enlarges your capacity as the more and more that you connect with him. And so, but, you know, if I have an hour, because Jesus says, if you could, can you tarry one hour? If I have an hour, I think of 20, 20, 20. I think uh, that's what kind of how I'll break it up. So good. And if you have 40, 15, 15, 15, or whatever, I think of three movements. The first one is setting down and posture matters in prayer. I find setting down with a Bible that's open, and I love to move in that prayer does not begin with you talking. That's a, that's a key thing right there. Prayer begins with you listening. The first thing God wants to do to you is rip up your prayer list is he wants to rip your prayer list and he wants to reconnect you with him and teach you how to receive because prayer is not monologue. It's dialogue. Come on. And we speak a specific language and it's the language of the word of God. So you don't ever want to come to your prayer closet without your Bible. You want to have your Bible open and I intermingle about three things in that first 20 minutes. It's deep sighs, deep breaths, I love yous, and just receiving and letting Him enjoy you. And intermingling that with short phrases to the Holy Spirit and having a Bible reading plan or having a passage of scripture you're reading from. And I will intermingle all those other things with, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand praying in the synagogue. When you go pray in your room and when you shut the door, God, I shut the door right now. And I, I, I'll I, literally take the Bible verse and I'll whisper it back to God. And I go, God, I, I shut the door right now. And I pray to my father in secret, father, you're beautiful. And what I'll do is I, over the next 20, 25 minutes, deep sighs, deep breaths, I love yous and slowly pray reading the Bible, just pray reading the Bible. And then when the Holy Spirit highlights a phrase to you, put the Bible down and turn it into dialogue to God. That would characterize the first 20 minutes. It's not about you talking and informing God about what you need him to fix in your life. My God. That that right there. So, that's going to be a that's going to be a shift for many of you, and that's why prayer is so boring. I mean, does anybody like relationships where one person does all the talking? Wow. Yeah, and we don't. That that's what kills any relationship is one person that owns it. And yet God's so kind, but most but but he'd say, I'd really like to talk about me too, and some things that are on my heart and about what I feel about you. I, I think prayer needs to begin with learning how to receive from him, number one. Number two, I will begin to move into what I call activation. The first one is soaking and receiving. The second one is activation. And I use a couple of tools in that. I'll use. Praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues. I see God on the throne, and I begin to lift my heart to God by praying in the Spirit and declaring phrases about God, praising Him, extolling Him, magnifying Him. God, you're beautiful. There's no one like you. And I'll just begin to intermingle tongues and blessing God. You know, I wrote a book called Glory Within, where I've gotten addicted to that 15-minute mark where there's a shift, and where you enter in through that shift that's when the heavens open and you begin to move into that place to where it goes from you reaching for God into you moving with God in prayer. And that's why Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. He goes, you got to first learn how to ascend. When you pray, say, Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we'll get to the request, but you've got to learn, first learn how to ascend. And so there's a part of that. And then the last movement, our request. There is a time and a place for request. One of my visions is to give my wife and my daughters stored up prayers for them every day and give them prayers that I've offered before the throne that they'll step into. And I pray biblical prayers, apostolic prayers, prayers from the Bible, and I'll bless my wife, bless my kids. And then that's when friends that are in need, that I just know that I'm I'm walking through things with them. That's where I'll mention them before the throne and I'll I found those three movements make for a dynamic quiet time that's revolutionized my life.
0: Man, Corey, seriously. First of all, my heart is burning while you're talking. This is a road <laughs> to Emmaus thing, man. I love that because that, that, that has a ring. Everything you've said has had the ring of understanding God's passion for you. And two things before you go. One, what would you say as you see right now in the state of the church or America? What, what do you feel like God is speaking to the body right now.
1: Uh, what well, you just alluded to it, I do think that I think we're he's he's calling us back to that place of intimacy. It, it's both individual and it's corporate. And he called his house a house of prayer. And I I really believe that God's going to begin to reorder things and he's going to bring us back to connection with him and out of the I I feel like it's a breakthrough here and it's a breakthrough here. Nice. I think I've been saying prayer rooms and dinner tables. I, I really feel like he's delivering us from the facades and he's, he's put us in a place of desperation of needing him. And so I think there's going to be a lot of reordering, restructuring of wineskins, a new wine skin to contain what he's going to do in this next season. And I believe that the leadership that's going to emerge in this next season are going to be praying leaders who are leading corporate prayer meetings and I love to talk about the individual because it's living stones that are being fit together and so I there's there's a lot of those dynamics of the gathering together the you know in light of the coming of the lord he says do not forsake the assembling of yourselves i think that's prayer meetings i think that's you know dinner tables i think that's connection breaking through here's the phrase superficiality He's delivering us of superficiality, living off of islands of individualism and isolation. And we're, we're needing God at a deeper level and we need each other at a deeper level. And I think he's forcing us both presence and pressure are going to lead us into that place. Man,
0: bonus, bonus question, man. I I know I got to let you go, man. It's so profound in this area of a third grade awakening and revival. Obviously, only the Lord knows. Would you say at this point we're closer now than maybe we were prior to COVID? Or is it one of those things that, hey, we're, just, we're praying, contending? Just your sense.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I, I really think we're in a Laodicean hour right now to where Jesus is saying you're out of touch with reality. Okay, And I think the doorway into heavenly resources is an awakening of our need. And he's going to bring us into humility and into our need for God to move because there's no new formula for a move of God. And it's not going to be a lot of me with a little bit of Jesus, we're going to change the world. It's going to be broken men in touch of their brokenness together that's going to provoke the move of God in our day.
0: Hey, (laughs) Corey, tell us how can we stay in contact with you
1: Yeah, I've written six books, all of them about connecting people to God in prayer. My most recent one is called Teach Us to Pray and the Disciples' Longing to Be Taught in Prayer. And I walk through how Jesus teaches us to pray. And if you're just in your journey or if you need a fresh realignment with it, get that. And then I released a little 100-page book called Gift of Tears recently, too, which I would put into revival praying. But My main passion in this season is definitely the books. I've released six prayer albums, but I'm really going after the online space with Corey Russell online. And so I've released probably about 16 courses, hundreds of videos, and we're building a whole community. And I care about just helping people break through the pages into the Word of God and discovering God. We got a a podcast as well and different things, so you'll find it if you want it.
2: Oh my goodness, that man. I mean, I want to go in my prayer closet right now.
1: <laughs> he was dropping nuggets. That-
2: oh my. Depth and revelation that he walks in, the intimacy that he's cultivated with Jesus. Not only is it inspiring, it's convicting in the best sense.
0: Keeper 100 Tribe, as always, we want to give you the Keeper 100 takeaways. In this episode, we're going to talk about the three benefits of a devotional life. The first daily devotional key, and here it is daily devotions gives us keys for connection. You know, our life with God should not just be in a devotional appointment, but a dynamic living relationship with Him. And since our walk with Christ is all about a relationship, our daily devotional time allows us to connect with the Lord in a meaningful way, and we need to do that consistently. And what happens is this intimacy, this closeness will enable us to talk to Him and He to us. And let me tell you what, when you hear the voice of God, I'm telling you right that it is the game changer. And it's also here where we develop a true passion for Jesus. And receive his unconditional love for us. One of the things that I've really have been focusing on lately is just being conscious of God's affection towards me. And I think with this age of an orphan spirit, this age where people don't know who they are and all that kind of stuff, the answer really is the Lord's affection. And you know, without this time of devotion, your relationship is going to weaken and all of a sudden the world will bombard you. It's going to pull you away. The enemy's going to tempt you and the things of the world, they begin to change in their area of the alluring attraction when you've not completely been mesmerized by who Jesus is. And Apostle Paul said it this way. He says, oh, I want to know you, Christ. Yes, to know the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings, being likened him unto death. But I love it. I want to know you, Jesus. That is the heartbeat of prayer. And Paul wanted to know him in a personal, relational way. And that connection comes through consistently spending time with Jesus, through a daily devotion.
2: You know, the second benefit of a devotional life is we have to understand daily devotions actually give us keys for our direction. The truth is none of us have all the answers and issues in life are going to come up and they're going to leave us confused, stuck, and directionless. And we have to understand the only place we're going to be able to get the clear answer that sees the entire picture is the Lord. I mean, how many times have I gone to God knowing that I've come to this place where I'm like, Jesus, you see all the layers, you see the complexities, you see everything that's, going on here. You see the future. You know exactly what's going to take place. Lead me, guide me. You have ordained my steps in the way in which I should walk. I trust that, but I also need to know which way am I to be walking. God will actually show us which direction to go. I believe that, that we have to first seek him though, in order to be able to follow him. And we're seeking him by spending that daily devotion with him. You know, as we strengthen our communion with God and our ability to listen to him through our ongoing conversations with him, that's actually where an avenue is actually created to be consistent and growing in our walk with Jesus. If you need direction, if I need direction, God actually wants to give that. It's simply us going to him for it. And I believe when we're seeking God, we can't miss it. I really have a core belief within me. It's when we're not asking that we can miss it. But when we're seeking God, we're actively pursuing him. I just don't believe that God is trying to be all obscure, vague, or innocent. Accessible, But in fact, I believe that he wants to be very accessible. He's created an accessibility for us as his kids. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 reads, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That is the heart of the Lord for us. It's mm-hmm. not a heart that is against us or trying to not lead us well. No, he's a good father. And his plans are good. He's good. He's for us, not against us us and so you know how we hear those plans is why we are seeking him and god has a direction for you to take and it's really listening to his guidance and then i want to add this we can listen but then you have to apply it another way to say applying the wisdom the guidance from the lord is saying obeying him there has to be a obedience once you've heard god so many people are like god 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 and then god speaks you know they're saying, God, what are you saying? And they're listening they hear and they maybe don't want to hear something. And so they don't obey it. The importance of hearing, but also obeying, you know, I'm even personally challenged, you know, how much God wants to spend time with me, how much I believe he wants to see me speak to me face to face. You know, I think that he wants that even a lot more than I can even imagine. I think he wants to connect with you as a listener more than even you can imagine. And So many times we think we are a burden to God. You're not a burden, you're his kid. And you know, we have to recognize that there's doubts and there's fears. I know I've had, I've allowed those things at times to stop my connection or stop the ability of the flow of his voice and my ability to hear his voice. Cause I've been afraid or ashamed, or I've just been, you know, riddled with anxiety. I've allowed things to be blockage. But when I come to God, that's when the, the anxiety, that's when the fear is broken and I'm able to hear God and I'm able to walk and abide in his spirit, his truth and his presence. And that's where the revelation comes is when I connect with him.
0: Krista Boo. Ooh, that was so good. I had to restrain myself to not jump up and down, shot you down.
2: right now. <laughs> the third
0: benefit to daily devotions is daily devotions gives us keys for revelation. You know, Jesus performed all miracles, walked in perfect wisdom. And this is The part that really impresses me, he was never caught in the trap set for him by demons, men, Pharisees with bad motives. And that's all because he was given keys for revelation those times when he would pull himself from the crowd and he would spend all night in prayer, go to the mountainside to prayer, withdraw to a lonely region of prayer or prayer in the garden, you constantly are seeing Jesus. Jesus' life really is loving on people, praying, and releasing miracles in between. Jeremiah 23, 22, it was one of my favorite passages, you guys. It says, but if they had stood in my counsel, and he says, God says, I would have caused my people to hear their words, and they would have turned from their evil ways and from the evil they're doing. But notice this, if you stood in his counsel, daily devotions give you a key for revelation. God is saying, if you'll stand in his counsel, I'm going to give you words. And I'm going to cause the people that hear you to hear my words. So if you want to be heard, it first begins with hearing. If you are hearing God, God says, I'm going to cause you to be heard. Everybody feels like, I don't know that I'm heard. I don't know if I say anything significant. Get in the secret place, develop a devotional life. He'll give you keys for revelations. And I also realize that one of the main reasons and one of the main problems created when Christians seem to go south, or they begin to make bad decisions, or they go bad in their motives and behaviors, is that they forget who they are. And so I feel true. like your devotional space is a place where God reminds you who he is, and you remember who he is, it reminds you who you are. And I feel like that's why ministers fail, that's why marriages fail, that's why churches split, that's why people backslide, that's why things go south, that's why a nation ends up turning their backs on God. It's all because... We're not getting that revelation. We've not gotten to that space.
2: You know, I love what you're saying. You know, as you were talking, I just started thinking, you know, we really have to understand and walk into that place of revelation that you and I have uninhibited access to the presence of God Mm. at any time. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we can access God. Any any moment, and I think so many times we forget how accessible God is, and it's through that accessibility that we can walk in such a divine revelation every single day of our lives. It is available at all times, and when we grab a hold of that, you as a listener grab a hold of the accessibility you have to the kingdom of God, to God Himself. That you know when Jesus died on the cross and took the sins of humanity, it tore the veil, which means. We had direct access. There was no longer the priest was no longer required. It no longer required a middleman to access God. And God removed all the laws and all the processes and what you and I would call the, the hoops and everything we had to jump through to connect with God. No, in the new covenant that you and I walk through, we have full access to Jesus at all times. I want you to know you need to be daily taking advantage of that. There was a God, there is a God that died on a cross for that accessibility for you. And I think that when we understand that that's what's available, that's how you actually increase and walk in the anointing in your life. That's how you had to learn how to walk in his presence. You get downloads. That's how you move in the prophetic is because you're constantly accessing the kingdom of God. You're constantly accessing the spirit of God that's available to you through the blood covenant of Jesus. Friends, we want you to know there has never been a more important time to be daily connecting with Jesus. We bring you this topic and we pray it blesses you, but it not only blesses you, but it provokes you for the more of Jesus. We don't want you just to hear this podcast, walk away and go, that was a good podcast. No, we want you to go spend some time with Jesus. We want you to go access the kingdom of God, that God that loves you, that's in full pursuit of you, that's crazy about you, that has a plan and a purpose for your life. I want you to know you have a God that is talking. Let's take some time to listen.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at Christasmith.com. You can also
2: find us on Facebook at Sean and Christa Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. And we want you to know Keep It 100 Tribe. Don't miss next week's episode because Sean and I are actually going going to be talking to you about spiritual warfare and actually share with you what's actually helped us win our own personal battles for the mind and even breaking cycles in our own lives and how we've seen other people break theirs. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram and at seanandkristasmith.com,
1: where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast.